everyone, and welcome to The Darkest Hour. I'm your host, Amanda Jane. Some of tonight's stories reminded me of a quote. All great acts are ruled by intention. What you mean is what you get. Brenna Yovanov, The Replacement. I take this to mean good intentions or bad intentions. What you mean is what you get. But our intentions can easily be misunderstood by others. At least for us, we can communicate with one another, observe one another. And because of this, we get better at understanding each other's intentions. Well, is it possible that the same is likely true for spirits? That all experiences aren't meant to harm us, but we do respond to fear. And in some cases, having a response at all was the difference between surviving something and not. Surely, there are times we misinterpret the message. Times where something we find scary or perceive as threatening is actually meant to help us. After hearing some of these experiences, I definitely think it's more than likely possible. So, let's get started, shall we? This all happened a couple of years ago. To give a bit of background, I, a female, own a holiday house out of the country that I look forward to every summer. I go for weeks to months on end and I love it. The only issue is it is slightly isolated. The closest neighbors are about a 20 minute walk and they're the only people on my street or near me. I wanna add that this house is over 100 years old as it's a small cottage and it's been passed through my family for generations. The neighbors are farmers, so they're not usually home. This all went down one Tuesday morning. I was baking with the door open to let the fresh air in as it was sunny outside, and we don't normally get that in Ireland. A knock on the door jolted me up from my daydream-like state. A somewhat raspy voice called out, Hello, dearie. I was taken aback. I shot around to see a small old lady at my door. Her short gray hair twinkled in the sun. I said hello and asked what she needed. She claimed she didn't want to interrupt me and asked if it was an okay time. I replied of course but emphasized again on what she was doing now practically standing in our kitchen. She asked, did we know Mary? I said, no, I've never met somebody named Mary, surprisingly. She said that was all right, and left. I only realized as she walked out the door that she might have been lost or needed a lift home, as the road isn't safe due to the tractors. In our house, you have to go left and then straight after you head out the door to get to the wall and the gate. The wall is quite small, so anybody can hop it or sit on it. I ran out the door after her, to see nothing. There was no electric cars at the time, so she couldn't have been using that. I have a very clear view of up and down the road for many, many miles, and I can't see her. It was like she just disappeared. 
This story still freaks me out to this day. I only realize today that the very original owner of the house's name is Mary. I hope she rests well, knowing that there's a family that loves her house as much as she did. I've never really had any experiences in my life besides this one. And I have a skeptical mind, but I'm very open to the idea of the paranormal I want to believe. However, I have no explanation regarding this incident. It happened to me and a couple of friends in 2011, and I've never really told anyone other than my significant other. We were 19 and in a ghost hunting phase and we'd been to some reportedly haunted sites. Didn't have any experiences to speak of, though. But we'd heard of a small, abandoned village, Hamlet, a short way out of the city, that we were told was very creepy and unsettling. Side note, my grandma, it turns out, was actually born there, of all places. It was a very small, quote-unquote, town, with maybe 50 to 100 people that was abandoned. Reportedly, overnight in the 50s. We decided to go there after dark one evening. All that remains is the collapsed general store, one house, and a perfectly preserved Ukrainian Orthodox church. The small house had the windows and doors removed. We explored inside. There was still wallpaper in the bedrooms and the living room, and some of the old kitchen items in the kitchen. It was creepy but mainly because it was dark in the middle of nowhere. We took some video of the inside and left shortly after. When we got home, we watched the video and didn't see anything, but we picked up something that sounded like a girl saying, Please, no. It wasn't clear, so I didn't really think it was anything. Something compelled us to go back a few weeks later, and this is where shit got real. I decided to print off some questions in Latin because I saw a YouTube video saying that an inhuman spirit would respond in Latin. It was mostly to creep out another friend that tagged along this time. I was a jackass. The second we drove up to the house, the feeling was different this time. I felt dread. The three of us, our one friend refused to get out of the car, decided to go back in the house and we discovered that it had a dirt cellar this time. So, we went down. It was your average dirt cellar. Absolutely nothing in there except a few old broken jars. We went back upstairs. One friend went back to the car. I stood out on the front porch, leaning into the window, while my other friend stood in the grass maybe ten feet beside me. This is when I decided to start asking the questions in Latin. While recording, I asked things like, is there anything here? Who, what are you? And lastly, show yourself. At this point, there was a sound from inside the house. I said it again, and before I could even finish, boom, 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 boom. It sounded like something coming up from the basement, and fast. I screamed loudly. 
as did the friend behind me. We ran to my car, and my one friend was already in the driver's seat. We barely got into the car before she was peeling out down the dirt road. I cried a little bit, but I don't think that there was a word spoken by anyone. There was no way it was an animal or a person inside the house. It was tiny and nowhere for an animal or person to hide. Plus, we had just been through the entire house ourselves. There was nothing on the video other than me screaming and telling my friend to go when I got in the car. I have no clue what happened that night, but it scared me to my core. Although, it made me more curious. I've been to other allegedly haunted places since, but I've never had another experience or encounter. I haven't been back there since, and I don't intend on returning. I'd love to hear what you guys think. Several years ago, maybe a year or so after I finished high school, I was with a group of friends. I'm going to change their names, including my own. Anyway, this group of friends and I were quite bored on a summer night in a small town. So naturally, we broke out a Ouija board. Like most places, we had our local ghost stories. You know, the tales told to kids to keep them out of the woods. Well... We took our 1299 glow-in-the-dark Ouija board to one of our town's most infamous spaces at midnight. So me, Phoebe, along with friends Monica, Rachel, Joey, Chandler, Janice, and Ross. We all went to our local junior high courtyard where, legend has it, you'll hear a baby cry at midnight. This is where we went to use the board. We started by asking all the usual questions, and wouldn't you know it, not a damn thing happened. So, defeated, and still bored, we trudged back to Rachel's place. She lived real close. Her mom was really chill. Looking back on it, probably a little too chill, but she told us that we should have lit candles, sat in a circle, you know, really do the damn thing. So, being incredibly stupid and immature teenagers... We did it again, but this time, it was a little different. We asked all the usual, is there someone here? Yes. Do you want to harm us? No. Monica started acting strange. She was breathing kind of heavy, tearing up. No one else really noticed, but I did. I wish I'd said something. Rachel asked, do you want to tell us something? Yes. What? Joey and Chandler had noticed by now that Monica was visibly and audibly upset. We met eyes. Not wanting to break the link that we created, without words, we agreed to let it ride. What? Janice asked the board, again, more forcefully this time, as she was becoming scared and impatient. Hurt. That's when Monica let go. She began rocking back and forth, crying and sweating profusely. Ross started to go to her, but along with the others, I screamed for him to stop. Don't break the link. 
Rachel, eyes now brimmed with tears, asked, You want to hurt one of us? No. So, someone we know will get hurt, maybe? Yes. Okay. We all sat back, Monica still noticeably hyperventilating. While Ross's face was still plastered with worry, Chandler gave me the she's totally being dramatic look. And honestly, I agreed. I wanted to get this moving along already. So I said, fine, who is going to get hurt? Jay. And circle, Jay. Rinse and repeat, just Jay. We briefly discussed as a group. None of us knew someone whose name began with a J. Me again. So, someone with a J name is going to get hurt? Yes. How? Wreck. Monica had visible tears rolling down her cheeks. I was beginning to get annoyed. Is anyone else going to get hurt? Yes. Well, who? I demanded impatiently. Brian. At this point, it was like 2 a.m. We were all irritated and bored and just blew out the candles and quit playing. We never said goodbye to the board. I was actually spending the night with Rachel that night, and once everyone had left and we'd settled into bed, it was about 3 a.m., Just as I closed my pretty little eyes, my mother called me. My cousin, Jay, was in a really bad motorcycle wreck. He wasn't dead, but he was hurt. Really bad. In a coma. But here's what really had me fucked up. He and his wife had just had their son a couple of weeks before. They named him Brian. I know it sounds absolutely bonkers, But it's been almost 20 years, and my cousin, Jay, he's alive. When he came out of this coma, he was different. Sometimes, I'll catch him looking at me, but I won't recognize his eyes. If I'm ever alone in a room with him, I'm just overwhelmed by this lightheaded feeling. I don't know, man. Recently, I've been reminiscing on my paranormal experiences, and I thought I'd share one. I'm pretty sure the last house I lived in was haunted, and here's why. Up until last year, I was living in a shared house with my longtime friend. We've known each other since high school, and because of a few fortunate events, we ended up living together in a couple of places. The house we lived in at the time was getting too small for us, and that's how we found our new place that I solemnly believe to this day was haunted. At the beginning of summer 2020, we both agreed it was time to search for a new place, somewhere that was more convenient and spacious, and when the time was right, I found a Facebook ad for a beautiful grade two building listed right in the middle of our town center. The place was super spacious, had more room than we could have asked for, 
tall ceilings and old sash windows with a beautiful view of the town center. I love anything old and antique, so I instantly fell in love with it. When we first went to view it, it was full of light, warmth. It felt inviting. So we made our decision pretty fast, and after a couple of days of back and forth with the landlords, we completed necessary paperwork and started packing, and a month later, we were moving. On the day that we moved, we noticed one big difference. The place was very dark and cold, and nothing like it felt like the first time we saw it. We were still in the middle of summer, but inside was around six degrees Celsius, which was baffling. I've visited many old buildings in my time, but I've never felt cold radiating off the walls like that. There was also a very thick wall between mine and my friend's bedroom, which, no matter how hard we knocked on it, we couldn't hear each other. It was the end of June, and we both had two electric heaters going for most of the day, but to no avail. The heat just wouldn't stay. Our first night was cold and pretty much sleepless, because every time I felt myself drifting off, a noise would wake me up and I couldn't settle. It wasn't anything in particular, more like ordinary house creaking noises we're all very used to, but the frequency of them was off. It was as if the house wouldn't let me fall asleep. I didn't question it as much as I should have, maybe, because I was naturally anxious for my first night in a new place, so I didn't expect much sleep anyway. But there's an old saying in my family that the first dream you have in your new house is very important as it will tell you if the place is good for you and if you'll have good fortune living there. Once I finally managed to get some sleep and basically fell into what I call a mini-coma, I remember being chased through the house by a tall, dark shadow figure, and that definitely wasn't a good sign. Throughout our first week, we finally managed to get used to the noises and had a full night of sleep. I don't remember having any dreams after that, it all felt kind of blank, as if I didn't dream at all. But sooner rather than later, new things began happening, and there were always issues with the construction of the building. Strange, pungent-smelling leaks. They would appear out of nowhere, even when we were going through a heat wave, which, in the part of the UK that we live in, would get very dry. We'd get frequent power cuts, with no other buildings being affected. Just us. It was common knowledge among our family and friends that there was always something going on with our building, and it felt like the house just didn't want to be lived in. Contractors would come out to fix the constantly leaking roof, but a couple of days later, it would come back, stronger, without a single drop of rain outside. The landlords were tired and baffled by constant small disasters we would call them about. And as I'm writing this, they sold the building about three months ago. I'm guessing things haven't changed much and they simply had enough. I remember one particular night when it felt like things reached a completely new level. And it wasn't just about small, confusing repairs. It was about to get very paranormal and very personal. I had just come back home from work and was unpacking some groceries I bought on my way back. The kitchen was never my favorite place in the building. It always felt uneasy there, 
alone, especially when I had to go to the bathroom in the middle of the night. Our toilet and our shower room were separate and had small vestibules and some utilities and storage. The fridge stood right next to one, which led to the shower, so I could always see into it with the corner of my eye. I nearly finished putting things away in the fridge when I caught a glimpse of something, and I instantly froze. For a moment, I thought I saw a dark, tall figure just standing there. But when I looked again, it was gone. It looked exactly like the shadow figure from my dream, the only dream I'd ever had since moving there. An overwhelming sense of dread crawled up my spine, and I darted out of there as fast as I could. The place looked empty, but I could feel a thousand eyes watching me from every direction. My love for the paranormal and occult has taught me that this particular feeling is probably the worst sign of an evil entity being present. Apparitions aren't as dangerous, even though they seem like it at first, but a feeling of being watched as if something's hovering above you, with their claws stretched out, just waiting to pull you in, is a very, very bad sign. And it most likely isn't your grandma visiting from the afterlife. A few days later, I told my friend about what happened, and she said she experienced something similar while taking a shower a couple of nights back. It's as if the same tall, dark shadow figure hovered in the corner of the shower room, just below the attic flap. She hated that flap since we moved in, and always mentioned that it felt off, like something was up there, and could come out at any time. For the next few weeks, we would watch the house closely and tell each other if we'd find anything suspicious. We didn't see the figure again, but an overwhelming sense of dread and fear had started to spread across the whole house, making us question what the hell was going on. Were we really dealing with something supernatural? The building was very old, probably at least 70 to 100 years old. And it was possible that it would hold a lot of energy from its previous owners. So many different stories and scenarios had played out in these walls. Not all of them could be good. Most of them probably weren't. I tried to research about the history of it, but I didn't have much luck except for finding that the building was used as a moot hall, which was a meeting hall for town's residents back in the early days. So, things didn't look great. The building would pull tricks on us more often, and one night, I watched my ceiling nearly split in half as the plaster cracked all the way across my bedroom. Apparently, it wasn't anything dangerous, but it certainly didn't feel like it at the time, when I laid in my bed and watched the whole thing happen. My friend and I both began entertaining the thought of moving somewhere else, even though the original plan was to stay there for a few years. The atmosphere was becoming unbearable, and so we'd made a choice, or rather, it was made for us during our last power cut. That was our breaking point. It was around midnight when the lights went off, and we met at the landing with our tiny emergency flashlight that we would use to check the fuse box. Most often than not, 
The fuses were okay, but we always checked anyways because the thought of having to sit in the dark, not knowing what's next, was way too disturbing, especially at the time. We went down two flights of stairs to get to the awkwardly fitted fuse box right below our tall ceiling, and we began investigating when my friend's shoulder got pulled back, as if someone was trying to grab her. We both screamed, and we ran back to my bedroom, where we hoped and waited for the power to come back. It was probably the longest two and a half hours of my life. We didn't wait long before applying for a new house, but every new place we found just wouldn't happen. There was always a different reason, like the paperwork issues or other applicants got ahead of us, etc., etc. I eventually moved back in with my parents to save up for my own place, because the chances of us getting anything looked more bleak with each week, and we didn't want to stay in that house any longer. And that's how I left that house. Sometimes, when I visit the town center... I walk by the building and I feel the same sense of dread from before, as if something or someone is staring down at me, wanting to reach out and pull me back in to finish what has started. In time to time still, I get the same dream I had the first night we moved in there, but I always manage to get away. I wonder what the new residents have to deal with and if they're okay. My boyfriend and I bought a house on the outskirts of the city, about 30 minutes away. 20 minutes further than our home was an old abandoned military base where a lot of kids and young adults would explore and everyone said it was so creepy. That was right up my alley. The thing about the base was that back in the day, it used to be an army base with the main headquarters on a tall hill and below were homes They used to house the military families. Also, there was a school, church, recreation hall, and community center down below where the homes were. What made this place so weird was that everything was abandoned, except for the homes, which were still being used as low-income housing. To top off the creepiness of it all, every home had a tunnel going from the basement up the hill into the main base. Now, those tunnels are filled with concrete, cement, keeping people from using them, but still creepy. My boyfriend had lived there for a brief time with his mom, brother, and two sisters when he was about 14. Him and his sisters have stories about seeing things in that house, including a small girl running through the hall to their mom's room. And when my boyfriend got up to check... It wasn't either of his sisters, as they were still in bed, and there was no one in his mother's room. But I digress. One night, we were at home with a few friends, sitting around the fire pit, when someone suggested we go check out the base. It was around 11 p.m., which was a good time to go, as you had to be sneaky about it, being that there were still people living at the bottom of the hill, and they would often report you to the police for trespassing. Narks. I had never been there, and I was very excited to go. 
I'd heard all of the stories and I'd wanted to go for a while. We all piled into our friend's truck, five of us, and headed over. Once we got there, we had our lights turned off and quietly drove into the recreational hall parking lot. We were getting our nerves together to go out and head up the hill, passing out flashlights and looking around to make sure no one was watching. We would have to sneak out of the truck and quietly run up the road until it reached a part that had some good tree cover. Just then, someone said, Hey, what is that light? We were all looking up the hill and through the bushes. We could see a little light bouncing around. We would see it for a few seconds, and then it would be gone behind the trees. Then back again, and then gone. Finally, it was gone for good. We decided, yeah, it was weird, but let's go. Just then, at the road going up the hill, where we were going, just at the part where the trees cleared, we all saw something. We couldn't decipher what it was. A person, a shadow. It was moving. It was coming down the hill towards us. Then we saw that it was three things. Shadows, people, whatever. These three shapes looked a lot like soldiers. They each had what looked like rifles resting on their shoulder as they were walking. It was so dark, all of us were freaking out. That looks like soldiers, someone said, followed by, Are they carrying guns? We were at the army base, and we were all seriously considering that this may be three ghost soldiers. When they got closer, we realized they had something on their faces. It was gray and white. As they came closer, it was skulls. They had skulls for faces. At this point, we were all freaking out. They got close enough, still walking down the hill, for us to realize that they were three men, large men, not ghosts, holding baseball bats over their shoulders with black hoodies on and skeleton masks on. We all slouched down as much as we could and peeked over the dashboard and from behind the back seats. As they came off of the base road onto the house roads, they pulled their masks up and lit up cigarettes, walking back to one of the houses. We were shocked. What on earth were they doing up there? Grown men with baseball bats, dressed like that. It was terrifying. We should have called the police, but... I mean, what would we have said? And what proof did we have that they even did anything? I was worried someone was up there that they had hurt, or that they may have been protecting something that was up there. But the scariest part about all of it was thinking, what would have happened to us if we would have run into them up there, in the abandoned army base? It still gives me chills. Needless to say... When they were out of sight, we bolted out of there and went home. I still have never seen the army base, and actually, a few years ago, they demolished it. The other buildings below are still there, and the homes are still being used to this day. I have been back to check out the other buildings, but couldn't get inside. However, 
As I was walking away, I did see a shadow of a man leaning against the side of the building where you can't get to. And I wasn't the only one to have seen him. I knew it wasn't just a person because we could see through him. This story starts a little while back, when I was in high school, grade 9, at the age of 12. I started high school really early and I skipped a lot of grades, and yeah, I entered high school at the age of 12, as my birthday is in late December. My school had a middle school and a primary school building linked right next to it. Since it was a private school, there weren't really that many students, as it was pretty expensive. It wasn't that weird for me to hang out with grade 5 kids since we were practically almost the same age. There's this one particular girl I got along with really well. We shared the same preferences and so we would hang out a lot. We would paint our nails in the library and talk about random shows we'd watch on Disney. On this particular day, she told me randomly that she had an imaginary friend. I brushed it off as her joking and just went along with it, making fun of her imaginary friend. I can't remember what it is exactly I said, but my friend looked at me, scared, and said, Lucy is not happy with you. I just laughed and dismissed it. I never thought of Lucy again, until one night, I went to bed normally without anything on my mind at all, and then... I had this dream, this very realistic dream. I was laying in bed, the exact position I'd laid before dozing off. My sister was laying in bed beside me, exactly as she was before I dozed off, but this time she was awake and looking scared. I was also scared. We were both looking at one door, the bathroom door. That's when I started to hear... A lot of banging. And attempts to open the door. But this really freaked me out. Even though it was a dream, I can still remember how much I was shaking with fear. How real it felt. I got under the covers in my dream and started to pray. And then I woke up. I was still scared, obviously, waking up to the exact same scene as in my dream. But there was no banging But I could see the shadow of someone just standing there. It was illuminated, close to the door. I remember instantly thinking it was Lucy and everything my friend had told me. I started to beg for forgiveness from Lucy. I was so scared. I started to say how I'd be a good girl. I'd listen to my mother. I wouldn't lie. I'd always pray, etc. Eventually, the shadow just left. I'd sometimes hear movement behind the door or in my closet. I had no pets or anything that could make the sound, but it doesn't really spook me. And as I started to grow, I stopped minding all of these things altogether. And the thought of Lucy ever being real or that dream ever being anything but a nightmare faded. Fast forward to a few years later, last year. I'm a senior in college, age 17. 
One night, my mom and I were watching a movie in my room, and we dozed off. She frantically woke up and shook me awake, telling me something had bitten her on her feet. I tried to examine her feet for any sign of bite marks, but I saw nothing. She then started to feel numbness on the left side, and she told me it felt like paralysis. So, I called my brothers, and we took her straight to the ER. After taking her vitals at the ER, the doctors said she was having a stroke due to hypertension. Now, this wasn't anything unusual as my mom did have high blood pressure and was on meds. But when we asked the doctors why she would feel like a snake had bitten her foot, they had no explanation. All they said was, if she hadn't woken up that night in her sleep, she would have probably gotten full paralysis or would have died. My mom then told me a few months later that something had tried to wake her up by touching her feet. So, she assumed it was one of my little brothers and didn't mind. Then that's when she felt the snake bite that woke her up. My mom and I do believe in the paranormal, jinns, and at first, she told me she believed it was probably a bad jinn that had attacked her. But since there was already a logical explanation as to why she had the hypertensive attack in the first place, we came to realize that whatever it was that had tried to wake her up was probably trying to save her life. She also admitted she'd skipped one of her doses when she noticed her blood pressure was getting a bit low. I don't know if this is at all connected to Lucy, but I feel whatever it was that was in that room that scared me into being a good girl wasn't entirely evil. I believe it saved my mother, but what do you think? we've reached the end of tonight's episode but don't miss a brand new one every friday night and don't miss my other weekly uploads every sunday and wednesday i want to thank those who shared their stories and a big thanks to all of you for listening don't forget to like this video subscribe to the darkest hour and tap the bell so you never miss a thing i sure do appreciate all of it a huge shout out to all my patrons monica l zoe watt Shelly B, Donald C, Rat Girl, Alicia S, Aaron G, Nikki H, Mr. Revenant, Naz K. Thank you all so much. If you want to support The Darkest Hour in other ways, consider joining my Patreon, patreon.com slash thedarkesthour. For those of you who have been listening for a while, you probably know that my husband and I are in a band, Forget Me Not. Well, tonight's episode is going to officially end a little differently. I'm going to play you guys our new single, Trial and Error. I hope you enjoy it. And stay spooky.
Similarities that you swear.